The 5 O'Clock Frenzy is presented by Nova Home Loans. Call 577-2600 for help in buying a new home. Zachariah Branch! And there's the freshman's first USC touchdown! Oh, and Branch, that's a great job. What a great job by Zachariah Branch! Freshman to the house! 96 yards! Now... Back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Yep, you hear a hometown hero there. Zach Branch, Bishop Gorman. Pretty good debut as a return guy and receiver. Four catches, 58 yards, a receiving touchdown. That uh, 96-yard kickoff return was the second part of that highlight. 232 all-purpose yards. Pretty good. It was relatively impressive watching him over the weekend, Steve. <laughs> yes. I want to get to USC in about eight minutes. We're also going to have a conversation with uh, UNLV's opener on the way on Saturday against Bryant, uh, one of the leaders of the defense, actually one of the captains. They named four captains over the weekend. Jackson Woodard sat down with Jackson Woodard today. Did you see the story the other day by the uh, RJ about how a lot of players have been – I'm not even going to say thrown off, but, you know, players who committed to places like Arizona State, Arizona, and Utah, hey, you're going to play in the Pac-12. Nope, now it's the Big 12. Mm-hmm. Did you read the story? So, Candy sends it over last week, and he said, I feel for these local Las Vegas kids who thought they'd be playing conference games in their home and will not be traveling three time zones away. But then when you read the story, they were all like, yep, love the move. <laughs> like, every one of them. But what I got out of it, was an impression that I, th- I think is kind of weird. Um, this Brett Yormack guy and the Big 12 fans have really pulled the wool over a lot of the nation's college football fans' eyes. Did you think the Big 12 without Texas and Oklahoma was a – with adding Cincy, BYU, Central Florida, and Houston was a better football conference than the Pac-12? No. I mean, I thought it was a good basketball conference. Well, what was like, there for the Pac-12, even minus USC and UCLA? What yeah. was going to be remaining? But yeah, Oregon, Washington, everything that was going to remain after that point? No, I did not think that was going to be the case. I didn't understand the appeal of the Big 12 that people were throwing out there. I mean, like I said, college basketball-wise, very interested to watch Big 12. But like in terms of where it's at as a football conference, right, losing Oklahoma, Texas, or where right. it was in comparison with where the Pac-12 was at that point? No. Yeah, no Audrey Harris, who's a wide receiver out of Gorman um, – Committed to Arizona, he said it was kind of the, the conference change. He said it was kind of big for me and talking to other recruits because we were going to be going against better competition every week. Every team in the Big 12. That's like uh, competing with players uh, down south. Those players are good. I don't know. I'm not going to hammer on a kid, but I really do think – I think the Big 12 did such a masterful job of promoting itself the last year or so. I mean, I guess it, 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 I guess it helps, too, that one team makes a ridiculous run like TCU does last year, and you think that there's more depth to the conference than there really is. Yeah. But I would not argue that. And even, by the way, we should note that one of the premier programs we're talking about is leaving that would make the conference better in Texas has like done really nothing. It's all just about the brand, and, and Texas yeah. is potentially back. The as power of to Texas it football is what yeah. it is. That's it. Not a big fan. There is no update on the ACC taking on Stanford, Cal, 
and SMU. Actually, they were getting closer to a vote because they have four no votes. They need one of those to flip. I think it's North Carolina, North Carolina State. So Florida State and uh, Clemson, right? So they need one of those to flip. They've been having meetings after meetings, and they had to cancel the meeting today. But it sounds like they're pretty close that they're going to add. Stanford and Cal will get a 30% share of the money. SMU has volunteered to go in and not take any share of the media money for seven years. That's insane. Like, we're so rich with our donors, we'll be fine. We'll benefit in so many other ways. We just have to get the hell out of group of five. It's a way to do it. Yeah. I think it's insane. It, it is insane to think about that yeah. you can take that and just be like, no, we're good. <laughs> By the we're way, I do, th- I do think it's funny that the program that was put on the death penalty because they were cheating so openly and then cheated again openly, now some 40 years later, they're like, we're so desperate to get to the big boy table that basically we'll admit we're going to do the same thing. Where <laughs> we can sell fun, but now it's legal. Yeah. Why not? We can play at your level because we're just going to buy our way in. If you can do it, why won't? Why wouldn't you? Yeah. Uh, I thought this was interesting, right? Everyone feels like, you know, maybe most of this is kind of slowing down. We still don't know what's going to happen if Stanford and Cal are gone. What's going to happen to uh, Wazoo and Oregon State? Whittingham, the coach of uh, Utah, mm-hmm. was asked by one of the uh, big sports talk hosts in Salt Lake about the permanent renewal of the Holy War. That's their matchup against BYU and Utah and Whittingham's like, uh, first of all, you use the word permanent. Permanent. Um, I can say it's far from that. He says, I think in two, three, maybe five years, uh, at the outside, everything is going to change again. <laughs> He's probably right. Right? If they form a if they form a, a super sixty four or super eighty, is BYU part of it? Maybe. Maybe not. Also, I mean, do you want to play BYU? If you're Utah, it doesn't sound like maybe that's the case. Well, I mean, both schools look at the other school as like exactly. know, less than them. Um, I will say BYU from being in the Mountain West Conference, BYU is a handful to deal with. Mm-hmm. They have a lot of restrictions and scheduling deals. So I wonder if BYU actually chills on that, knowing that, yeah, you could be on the outside very easily in five years. No. Exactly. Because there's arrogance I there. Know. It's like they're of not going to chill on anything. Of course we'll be here. We belong here. We've always belonged here. And we're going to play by our own rules and be a giant pain in the ass with scheduling. Yep. Diversity? Ha, 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 ha. Get out of here. Uh, what did you see from Navy against Notre Dame? And I want to talk about Notre Dame, but what did you see from the Navy side? I saw a number. Now, they they moved on from Coach Ken. I always screw up his last name. Uh, to another guy who was on the staff, right? Right. Newberry. Uh, they had, I think their last three openers, they had scored a combined 17 points. It was embarrassing. And then, again, they just did not look ready to go. They ran the ball pretty well in the first half. Couldn't punch it in. It was that bad, huh? Because here's the thing. It's just it's, – it's, it's the game management stuff that drives you nuts. You know, when, you, when you have a long drive that you get inside the red zone, you get inside the 10, and you decide on a third, or on a third down to run a halfback pass to try to get a touchdown – like that's, and then what happens? The halfback pass gets blown up because physically you've been destroyed all game and you can't do it. So as a running team, you then put yourself in a position where, okay, well, we can't really go for it here, so we've got to kick a field goal. You miss, and then at the end of the game, when you're getting shut out, you kick the cowardly field goal down 42 nothing. What are you doing? What? It's a Naval Academy. Let's Stop. It was, a, yeah, it was a cowardly field goal. It, oh, oh. You're down by 42 points. You need seven. You don't need three. What I, I just don't understand. This, this is a simple equation there. 
But there was game management issues like that the entire game. Had no idea what Newberry was doing. I was I was appalled watching it. Uh, Barrett Salee, who's very good on college football, said Notre Dame is 100% a CFP contender. Right. It's not a hot take. What do you think? They're going to lose four games. Really? I mean, their schedule's insane. So they, have, uh, they obviously have the big boys on the schedule. You have USC. You have Clemson. Uh, by the way, there's a road spot against Louisville that's sandwiched in there as well. That's going to be a really tough out for Notre Dame, too. I think they've got like three or four losses on their schedule that are going to be potentially there for them. It's a brutal schedule for them. And by the way, let's not forget, while Sam Hartman looked okay in the game against Navy, I mean, this is a, a team and a program that kind of played down to their competition last year. Lost to Marshall, lost to Stanford, couldn't cover it against UNLV's at the time, third-string quarterback. I mean, it's not, the, it's, not a, it's not a program that under Freeman has been adding wins at the margins, we'll say. Yeah, at number nine, Clemson, home against number six, USC, home against number three, Ohio State. And mm-hmm. then, like you said, the some of the ACC teams they play are challenging, well, and look at, to say the least. Look, where that Louisville game is, look yep. where it's sandwiched, right? Well, it's actually, if I have it correct, it's sandwiched between a game at Duke, yep. then Louisville, and then then USC, right. uh, before the Duke game is Ohio State. So Ohio State, Duke, Louisville, and then USC. Yep. It's a tough stretch. And then Clemson in, like, game 10. So I, I think Hartman's going to make them better, but to say that they're going to be because they beat up on a bad Navy team, a college football playoff contender, and that it's not a hot take, I want a little bit more sample size to really run with that. I was not surprised that USC won, won big, but not big enough. I respect San Jose State offensively. I didn't think they would be able to stop USC. Uh, but I know there's people coming out of that game that are like, same old USC defensively. San Jose can be dangerous on offense. They have a great quarterback. Well, can't both be true, though? Yeah. Hey, like, Can't you have a USC defense which has really not shown much signs of improvement, at least in that one game, while also giving Shaven Cordero and San Jose State and Brendan credit for putting together a game plan that had them putting forth some offensive success? I think both things can be true. But I agree with you. I, I do think that a lot of the narrative was more about, you know, you heard some of the like, it's San Jose State. Like, they're – at worst, the fourth-best team in this conference. Mm-hmm. And they're going to be very good. And they have arguably – actually, I don't even know if it's arguably. They have the best quarterback in the Mountain West. Doug Brownfield's trying to get there. Mm-hmm. Got to stay on the field, right? Uh, played eight of the 12 games last year, started two more, and then got knocked out of the game, including the final game of the season against Reno. So he's one of the leaders of the team. He's a captain. Jackson Woodard, who's new to the program from Arkansas, he's a captain. I had a chance to talk to uh, Jackson for a couple minutes Today, and uh, it's a wrap of fall camp. They're starting to look forward to game number one this weekend, 1 o'clock start. Uh, we'll have a pregame right here on ESPN Las Vegas, the game as well. That'll start at noon. But started off the conversation with Jackson Woodard just asking about fall camp. It was a great fall camp. Um, the coach put together a great plan for us. Um, all the freshmen that came in bought in. Um, the transfers that came in bought in as well. Um, it, was, it was a really good fall camp. Physical. It was good to see the guys step up. Um, and just, you know, not do too much, play in their role, uh, and get ready for the season. You think everything that was needed to be accomplished, was it accomplished? Or are you still, you know, the first couple of weeks, or there's still some growth and some things you got to catch up on? No, I think I think we accomplished what we were, you know, we're wanting to accomplish. Um, practices were good. Uh, physicality was there. Uh, you know, the people that needed to step up, stepped up. And so we're ready, 100% ready. It's uh, kind of interesting to look at the depth chart and see some guys who are new in the fall. 
um, actually make the ones and twos, which I mean means they impressed Thomas Anderson emerging as a starting cornerback. Yeah. Um, you got freshmen out there like Blessing. I know you guys mentioned yeah. Blessing as a guy who really is on the come, but yeah. what does that mean in a short period of time to to get the three three five and then earn the trust of the coaches for game one? Yeah, that I mean that means that they came in and worked, um, and also they're talented guys. You know, they're good football players. Uh, Thomas Anderson, like you mentioned, is an incredible football player, and he works hard and you know, he does his job, blessing, same thing, came in, went to work, uh, bought in, learned, and um, earned a spot. And there's a lot more, even on the offense side, Jet Thomas, running back, uh, came in, first scrimmage, just showed out, balled out. Um, and so it opens eyes, and, you know, they earn their spot. Okay, on the flip side, what do you tell guys who have maybe played a lot in the past or are coming back from injury in terms of fighting, you're a captain, so you're a leader. So I'm sure you you are in a role where hey, you got to pump guys up if maybe they didn't accomplish what they wanted yeah. on paper. The biggest thing I tell them is go to work. Complaining or you know not being satisfied and thinking you earned or you know deserve something is not going to do anything. But if you go to work and do everything and earn it and make the coaches put you in the game, they have no choice but to put you in the game because of how you're working and uh, what you're doing on the field. Uh, then you're going to play. And that's, you know, that's what I tell them. And it's tough guys with injuries or, you know, people have played a lot. Um, some people are switched around positions, which is tough, but getting that playbook and get on the, you know, in the film room and learn, learn, learn. And then when you're on the field, go to work and be the best you can be. Can you, uh, can you get a feel as a defensive player for the kind of depth you guys have? I'll just mention a couple of spots like Naki's coming back from an injury, but the yeah. fact that Naki could be on the, the three line, or at linebacker, it looks like it's a deeper group than it's ever been. I mean, the safeties and cornerbacks, I've never seen this much size at cornerback at UNLV in the last five or six yeah. years. Can you tell as a player, like, you know, the depth? For sure. Uh, we're out at practice, and you can feel the depth. Uh, Darius goes out, and Naki comes in, and there's, you know, not a fall-off. Or I go out, and Blessing comes in, there's not a fall-off. Or um, – you know, Thomas Anderson goes out, B.J. Harris comes in, there's not a fall-off, and that's huge. Um, to win a game, there's going to be times where I'm tired and I'm going to need someone to come in and get me and, you know, step up to the plate. And it could be a third-down stop and they need to, you know, get a stop or um, someone gets injured. You know, hopefully not, but injuries happen and we're going to need someone to step up, you know, next man up. And so it's huge to have that depth and just that it, it's a lot of confidence. You have a lot of confidence in the, the guys behind you. So, yeah, it's awesome. One of the leaders of the Rebel defense, Jackson Woodard, transferring from Arkansas, is here with us. This 3 3 5, uh, you're very familiar with the system. What can it do to offenses? You know, when pressure's coming from all spots, you know, you're getting pressure up the middle. I noticed over the weekend, San Diego State actually picked off Ohio three times. The backup quarterback was out there, and I'm sure his head was spinning. If it's played right and played fast, um, it's very hard for a quarterback. There's a lot of people that are dropping back, and there's a lot of people also in your face. Um, we're going to play very fast and swarm the ball, so every time you see some, you know, a ball carrier, there should be 9 to 11 guys around them. And I think that just frustrates and overwhelms the offense as a whole. Have you stopped for a second and thought to yourself, I'm at a new program, now I'm going to start. I'm a captain. Like a lot has happened. You, know, you were fighting for time at Arkansas, and look yeah. at the role you've carved out here already. I, you know, I haven't really just stopped and thought about it too much because this is a game I loved. It's the same game I've played since I was, you know, four or five years old. Nothing's changed. Um, and, and it comes down to, you know, work, hard work pays off. Um, I came in and worked and um, the team, you know, 
brought me in with open arms. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, you know, it's, it's not too much different. It's still football. Yeah, I thought a really interesting comment uh, during the preseason was Marcus Miller who came in. And Marcus really was nowhere to be found on the depth chart last year. I saw him around, but yeah. And he said, you know what? Most of it was me. Most of it was me. Like I just wasn't doing what I needed to do. When you look back on the transition from Arkansas to, to UNLV, was it a physical thing? Was it a mental thing? I know you're a lot lighter now than you were at times there. Yeah. So what was it? You know, I, I don't think a lot has changed. I think in my time there, I was you know blessed to be behind some really good athletes. Um, my freshman year. Um, Grant Morgan, Hayden Henry, Bumper Pool, those are just some guys you mentioned, Drew Sanders. Um, and so I was behind them and I, you know, worked and worked and worked. And I just didn't get the opportunity that I wanted. And so that's why I ended up transferring. Um, but I think if I would have stayed, I, you know, I hope or, you know, would have <laughs> thought it would be the same position that I'm in now. So, yeah. Talk about some of the guys around you and Marcel McDuffie, you know, Eubanks is behind you guys. We've, we've mentioned Blessing, a, a true freshman. I mean, his progress is amazing, but the linebacker core in general. Yeah, it's a very stacked linebacker room. Uh, Fred Fred Tompkins is unbelievable player, fast, physical, Eubanks, athletic. You know, they're all. If you look down the linebacker depth, it's it's studs everywhere you look. Athletic, physical, smart, um, and Coach Shearer does such a great job at getting us all ready and and being a teacher of the game and. Um, so when we go out there, like I said, if I go out or Fred's out or if Marcel's out, someone's coming right in and then, you know, there's not going to be a fall off. Um, and, yeah, it, it's a very um, deep room in terms of depth. And then being able to play by Marcel, Marcel's very smart. Um, he's a football player at his core. And so it's going to be a fun season. I'm looking forward to it. What do we expect from Ryan? And they got a talented, uh, experienced quarterback. I think they have 10 of 11 starters back. Are they going to be run heavy, balanced? And, and also for you, what's it like when you're in the middle of the defense and you know the quarterback might run, which means you get to hit him? Brian's a good team. Um, like you said, they got a lot of players back. Um, quarterback's a very good player, experienced player. Um, and he can also run. So um, we're obviously going to have an emphasis on that. And um, – then, yeah, being in the middle is sometimes I'm going to be spying on the quarterback, and so that's going to be my responsibility. Um, but they're a balanced team. they got players everywhere. Um, O-line's good. Um, they got some stud receivers, and so it's, you know, it's a good team. We're going to have to, you know, be perfect and do our job. Jackson Waters with us. Let's close out on this. Uh, what's the plan for the family during the season? Can they travel? Will they about be out here for game number one, or they have to just go to whatever's close regionally? They're, they'll be out for game number one, and then from there, I don't, I don't know exactly which games they'll be at. My senior or my sister's going to be a senior um, in high school, and she's playing soccer. She's a stud soccer player. Got, okay, <laughs> got offers everywhere, and so you know they'll be with her. And so I don't know, but I know they're going to make it out to the first game, and then we'll see from there. I'm excited for them to be able to come out here. There he is, one of the new players, uh, could be one of the new stars for the Rebel football team. They turned over 40-plus players. One of the guys they wanted to bring in was a preferred walk-on from Arkansas who just couldn't break through with their uh, studly defense, Jackson Woodard. And now he's in the middle. He's one of the captains along with Doug Brumfield and Jerry Williams and also one of the offensive linemen, Amani Trigg Wright. Uh, you'll hear more of that conversation on the Barry Odom Radio Show, which starts uh, off on Wednesday. The debut is on Wednesday. Parkway Tavern, one spot all year long, so come out. $2 Miller Lights during the show. It starts at 6. 
Odom is going to be on the scene. It's a show. Why wouldn't he be, right? Caleb Herring will be co-hosting along with myself, and then we'll have a cavalcade of stars beyond that, players and assistant coaches throughout the season, but a really good chance to do some hardcore UNLV football talk. And remember, their openers this Saturday, 1 o'clock kickoff against Bryant at the Owl. Nova Home Loans has ways to save you thousands of dollars that you can put towards buying down the interest rate or help with your closing costs on a new home. Call today to find out if you qualify. 702-577-2600. You know, we were talking about TV shows and guys setting each other off. I was just going to set you off with a comment, but... I will not do that to you, Von Tobel. Maybe Adam Hill will do it to us. Uh, before we go to Adam, we had a pretty uh, healthy discussion about TV talk shows like Stephen A. and Skip and uh, how much I like them and I like the clips from them and I like the former football players and basketball players going on and getting all worked up because of something Skip or Stephen A. said. Uh, DeMond was all over this today because they had a big roundtable with Skip. He's back over on FS1, and he had in Keyshawn Johnson, Richard Sherman, and Michael Irvin. This is TV magic. I said, listen, man, with all these people around you, learn to catch this ball in your body. Right. So so in your hands, you tighten up, ball goes through you. Or you tighten up, ball That's hits the, the ground. That's the worst advice so, I've so, ever so, heard so, for so a receiver. Now. Don't catch it with your hands. Catch it with your body. How you don't tell it? me that's the worst if, advice. If I'm, I'm only one of the best to ever do it and playing that what game. What I'm saying I, is, you, well, I don't know how you, you can tell say me catch it advice. with your body and not your hands. It led to championships on every level. What I'm talking about doing, I want championships on every level doing. Uh, Skip was shivering in the corner. That's right. Shivering. Adam Hill, your reaction? That is magical TV right there. Was it? Yes. Okay. Yeah. It's real passion. It's real passion. But it worked on social media because people could be like, "Oh, wait, Skip can't do anything. He's not good at this." What, like, that what worked. It, it was fun. But. What did you What did you say, Demon? Right? They found the perfect formula. He doesn't talk. Yeah, let's skip. That's better. Right, but it exposes the fact that he's never been good and doesn't know what he's doing. I mean, if he actually has to debate somebody, he can't do it. He's good at twisting tees. He's good at getting guys going. In that case, Richard Sherman got Michael Irvin going, but that's his skill. That's his skill. I know. So he's I, making how much to sit there and let somebody else do his job. I'll take it. Yeah, I mean his yeah, if, it, if his job is to be moderator and you know troublemaker, light the fire. That's pretty valuable. That's what you yeah. do sometimes. Sure, but I mean, what I'm saying is he he does, he's not needed. I think everybody saw that today, right? He, what is he doing there? He's not needed to be on the show. Mm. Get rid of him, save the money, pay the other guys more, and you got a better show. Maybe that's what's happened to him. Maybe he just bought into yeah. this thing, and it's the beginning of the end. He doesn't realize your replacements yeah. are sitting right there screaming at each other. Exactly. Exactly. I'm right. It's almost, it's almost like it's not that hard. <laughs> well, don't don't say that. Everyone will find out. Um, all right. I want to talk about the Raiders and moves here and, and cut day. I will tell you, out of the weekend, there was one guy who went very viral. And I do, I do not need a hearty laughter back based on the competition he was playing. But what did you think of first impression of Tyree Wilson? Uh has a lot of work to do obviously right i mean there was a lot of excitement because he showed exactly what people thought he could be like lengthy use that length to build your speed to get power to just absolutely dominate an eight string right tackle like that's impressive um but he lost where the quarterback was which was another knock on him in college that he often got into the backfield and had no idea where the quarterback was and lost sight of him and um overran rushes often uh, he also obviously broke, you know, let 
<laughs> let somebody break contain on him as he got his eyes too big and tried to get to the quarterback instead of you know keeping the outside and uh, allowed a touchdown run. Um, I, I thought the most impressive play, more than the one that went viral of you know getting to the getting into the backfield on a pass rush, was fighting off a blocker, getting inside, uh, getting his inside shoulder free, and making a tackle at the line of scrimmage for a two yard gain. Like that was an impressive play. That's good. Um, that's not why he was drafted, but you know, it was a nice play. Uh, there's just obviously a lot of work to do. But it was his first time on the field. I think either if you said, you know, if you looked at him and said, Tyree Wilson doesn't know what he's doing, he lost track of the quarterback. Okay, it was one time. That's crazy. And if you said, look how good he is getting to the quarterback, it's, that's a ridiculous take, too. Um, he was on the field. He made a nice play in the run game. Like, that's good. And he showed that he could play 14 plays despite having limited cardio right now because he hasn't, you know, practiced very much. That's good. Uh, but I don't think anybody could possibly read anything from what he did. Well, there is a you can go glass overflowing when you drive the right tackle into the left tackle. You're right. He 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 pushed him too far and didn't recognize the quarterback. Those are things you can fix. Right, but that's also but he also got absolutely locked up by a backup tight end, uh, which you know not many people are talking about. And like again on that play, like that's a guy that's not in the NFL. Like he did that against a guy who's not in the NFL. So are you going to get excited about it? And also, I'm not criticizing it either. But I'm just saying, like, let's tone it down when you're playing people that aren't in the league. I'm actually more interested. Is he really going to stand up that often? Oh, you mean when he lined up 18 <laughs> feet outside? <laughs> yes. It was like standing straight <laughs> yeah. up and running like the way he was. Yeah. I, I was actually more fascinated by that. I was like, well, holy crap. Like, that's not even wide well, nine. It's like wide 11. Look, he's again. Now, now it's going to sound like I'm being I'm being negative about it. I'm trying not I'm not trying to be, but one of the big knocks on him is that he is pretty slow off the ball, and I think you saw that a couple of times. Again, it's his first game, um, but that lining up out there helps that he can just get a direct look at the center. You see the ball move, and then you just take off, and, and you're at full speed by the time you get to the tackle. Now, is that practical in a game? Um, probably not, unless it's like third and eighteen, and you know that you can just rush with reckless abandon, but. Um, Look, it was impressive to watch, and I think it got everybody excited. So I guess that's a good thing for some. Um, that's certainly not a play I took a lot from. I took more, like I said, from the run play, where he was able to you know get the inside shoulder free and make a tackle. That's that's good. That's that's a that's a nice play. So what are we thinking? I think he's around. What are we looking at here? Let me look really quickly. Defensive 10, rookie of the year. Yeah, ten to one. Let's go. Go ahead and do that. I mean, I, I wouldn't, <laughs> but you know, lock your money up and make that bet. Very salty, Adam Hill. You think they're going to take a? If we're talking about betting, are they going to take a defensive rookie of the year from probably a last place team? Like I doubt it. But I also wonder if he's going to get the reps enough. I mean, he's a little bit of part of a rotation, is he not? Yeah, for sure. And yeah, I mean, definitely that's part of it. But look, if he puts up sack numbers, if he has impressive sack total, if he's just in passing situations and uh, makes a bunch of them, then sure, you could get that recognition. But. I just don't think it's gonna. I don't think many awards are gonna happen for a team that doesn't have very high expectations. In fact, um, I'm just working on something right now, just uh, breaking down game by game for uh, for our special section that's coming up. You know that now with the lines that are out right now, the Raiders are favored in exactly one game, mm-hmm. one game this whole season. Now, I don't think they're only gonna win one game, but that's a pretty wild stat. Just kind of got down pretty quickly. I was expecting positivity. <laughs> well, let's talk Josh Jacobs. Um, so, what do you what do you expect the mood to be around uh, Josh Jacobs? Well, especially with the team, the coaching staff. Um, I know there's you know there's a whole deal with running backs that the management is dealing with here. But uh, what do you think the reaction is going to be in the building? 
Uh, I mean, I think you saw it. Like, if you watch the clips on social media uh, that not only players were posting, but also the team, um, there was just a lot of excitement, a lot of happy people, a lot of smiling. Like, there's there's, there's excitement. I mean, he's one of the best players in the league, especially at his position. Um, you're going to be thrilled when he comes in. I, I think everybody kind of expected it. There, there was a little bit of, you know, nervousness and tension of, is he really going to carry this through? But I think for the most part, everybody expected he was going to be there at some point. And, the fact that he came in, I think, a little bit earlier than people expected, because I think a lot of people thought it might be next week that he came in and get a couple practices in this week. I think that's that's a good thing that people are excited for, and that it's probably going to make sure that he's available to play week one, uh, which will be really good. I'm sure. Look, I know uh, Zamir White will say that he's happy. I'm sure he was like, "Oh man, another another year on the bench." But uh, I think for the most part, everybody's thrilled. I mean, that's a really really good player you're getting in, and also a guy people in the locker room absolutely love. So. I think there was a lot of genuine excitement and enthusiasm that he came in. Headline, RJ, make sure you read uh, LVRJ.com up online. Raiders face difficult decisions on cut day. They are? What are the tough decisions? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, if you look around, are you keeping six wide receivers? And if you are, which of them that you, do you cut? Because I think there's, you know, some pretty good players there uh, that – you know, made a pretty good case. I mean, you know, Wilkerson obviously made a great case with his numbers uh, in the last game. Um, I wouldn't expect him to actually make the team, but he at least made a difficult choice. Uh, do you keep the six receivers if you do? Who they? Who are they? Offensive line, do you keep an extra one? Uh, because you do have a lot of guys that are capable. You have two potential starters from last year that aren't going to be starters this year, maybe. Uh, so do you end up keeping an extra person there, an extra guy that has some experience? Uh, defensive line, I think you've got about – you know, you're probably keeping 11. There might be 12 or 13 legitimate NFL players in that group. So um, that's a tough choice. Uh, I think there's there's tough choices at a couple spots. And then I think we talked about this the other day, but what do you do at quarterback, especially if you need one of those extra spots? If you love one of your linemen that you have to cut or you love you know somebody on the offensive or defensive line or uh, you love one of the corners potentially that you're going to have to cut, uh, do you – release Brian Hoyer, potentially bring him back to the practice squad because he would clear waivers. Do you release him or even maybe wait till after week one to bring him back? Uh, because with veterans, that can really uh, help the contract situation if you wait till after week one. Uh, do you play some shenanigans with your quarterback position in order to steal another roster spot somewhere else? I think that's something to certainly look for as well. I want to look at the secondary because when I was watching the last preseason game, I know it doesn't matter, but I was looking at some guys where it's like, oh, they're playing in the second half? Duke Shelley and Amik Robinson. Yeah. Who do you think of those two would make the team? Because I think that it's got to be one or the other. Yeah, I think you're probably right. And as I was watching, I, th- I thought the same thing. I think there was a couple of guys in there in the second half, which I think it doesn't tell you that they're not going to make it. It tells you that there is a real down-to-the-wire competition uh, between some of those guys. I think, you know, Brandon Faison's health will uh, determine quite a bit of that. Um, Duke Shelley, I think, has made some plays. I think there were some plays we probably want to have back uh, from this last game. A guy like Sam Webb, who they really like, Azizi Hearn, who they like. Um, those guys are in a tough spot. Uh, but between the two just that you mentioned, I thought for a while that Amik Robertson was on the outside looking in, uh, that he wouldn't be back, which kind of sucks because he's a great guy to talk to uh, in the locker room before and after the games. Um so that would be unfortunate from a media perspective and from just a guy perspective. He's a really good dude. It would be tough to see him go, but I thought he's been on the outside looking in, but I actually thought he had an unbelievable game uh, on Saturday. I thought he was great. And so if there really was a real competition, uh, I think you look at that and say, hey, he, he stepped up and he proved himself, uh, maybe more than Duke Shelley did in that game, but I thought Duke Shelley kind of had the lead on him for the most part. So we'll see how much that game really mattered. 
All right, so we've had all these preseason games, the practices. So we are getting closer and closer to the first week of the regular season. After watching all of this, has your opinion on anything about this Raiders team changed, positive or negative? Um, probably not. Um, I, look, I think from what we've seen from Jimmy Garoppolo, he's really good at managing the huddle, getting in and out, the communication. That that drive uh, that we saw out of them in the preseason was exactly what we're looking for, but more so. Uh, the the joint practices. I think you saw him doing a lot of good work when you could see it. Uh, you saw him doing good work in that regard, and I think he's he's he understands what Josh McDaniels wants, and he can really relay what Josh McDaniels wants from you know the play call onto the field into the huddle and everything else. So um, that's good. Now the deep ball has been questionable, so that that's an area where I look at it and say everything that we've seen will tell us that they're going to have trouble throwing the ball downfield, uh, which is a little bit surprising for a team that has Devontae Adams on it, potentially, but um, that is that is an area of concern that I think has emerged uh, quite a bit uh, out of out of this preseason. Um, and I will say, I think, you know, seeing the defense in those joint practices, the amount of havoc they were able to cause, uh, both up front with Max Crosby and, you know, even Chandler Jones, that, you know, and, and I think Chandler Jones works a lot better with Jerry Tillery. We saw that at the end of last year. A couple games they played together where they were side by side. Chandler Jones was much more effective. I think Tillery eats up some of that attention from the offensive line. So I think the defensive line could create chaos, and the and the the back end of the defensive secondary is taking the heart. The go be aggressive, go get the ball, and they've done a much much better job of that through the joint practices. And I think if that translates to the field, that's huge because they have not been able to cause turnovers at all. They've been at the bottom of the league enforcing turnovers and interceptions the last couple of years, which doesn't make sense when you get after after the quarterback as well as they do at times. Um, and they don't have many sacks because they have all these pressures, but nobody's covering anyone so that they just get rid of the ball quickly. So uh, I think the, the, the defensive backfield being better helps them get to the quarterback more, helps them create more turnovers. That, that would be big for the defense, which could make them a little bit better than we think. Adam, 30 seconds left, and I mean it. 30 seconds left. Uh, I saw you tweet about the uh, Colt McCoy move and Kyler Murray and what the Cardinals are doing. They're making it pretty obvious what they're doing, right? Yeah, pretty much. They're tanking. I think I think that's pretty clear. And I think at some point they're going to have to bring Kyler Murray back to showcase him. A lot of people think they're going to shut him down for the season, but I think you need to bring him back to try to get whatever you can from for him for a pick. Uh, but, yeah, I think they're clearly tanking, and I applaud them for just doing it. All right, Adam. Good job. There you go, listening to instructions. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you tomorrow for the full show. Sounds good. See you then. I did not dare to bring up Colt McCoy. That'll be uh, – I'll throw that – actually, I'll just play the audio of you and me going back and forth on Colt McCoy. I don't think I have the, the heart to fight for Colt anymore because I will get eviscerated and destroyed tomorrow. If I bring that up. It's the Clayton Toon era. It's the Clayton Toon era. Better not be Josh Dobbs era. Very anti-Josh Dobbs. Poor Josh Dobbs. Wiley veteran. Wiley veteran. I don't know why I'm anti-Josh Dobbs. Just, just, it's like you because I just him, think it's, stu- it's stupid. You watched him play. Call like the it, Titans the playoffs it, last year. That's a reason. It is a brilliant tank. They're like we're gonna trade for a guy ten. What well, it's not ten days before the regular season, but you know, twenty days before the regular season, and he may start. That is lunacy. It's clean too. Cofield and Company presents. Grab bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Stick your hand in there, Dave. So John was just looking at the uh, the first depth chart put out by Barry Odom and the UNLV football program. Pretty interesting, and it shows there were some surprise winners on the one line. Again, I don't adhere to this very much on a team that's going to rotate a lot of guys. Mm-hmm. 
But it does show that a lot of the dudes they brought in really challenged to get in the first or second string. And some experienced players aren't listed on the depth chart. They're going to play, but it's pretty interesting on the defense. The defense is deeper than I've ever seen it. Yeah. I mean, that was one of the things that kind of sticks out when you're looking around. Uh, I mean, for example, you know, we were just talking about it, and I apologize, the name escapes me, uh, Florida State linebacker transfer. Yeah, Jordan Eubanks. Yeah, Jordan Eubanks, thank you. Uh, you know, expected maybe him to be in the top two. Um, not there. Um, looking around like defensive tackle, just notable names that aren't listed in the top two. Naki Fahina, who was going to be a big role for them last year, and then now not there as well. So, and in the, I would say, I know we're focusing on the defense, but, you know, running back too. I mean, it's a really deep um, crew of running backs, but expecting certain guys to be part of the uh, running back top two that I thought were going to be there, uh, not Vincent Davis among them. So, hey, he's a pit transfer. Uh, four true freshmen made the ones and twos, and Jet Thomas is one of them. And I've heard five different people between coaches and players uh, shout out Jet Thomas really kind of unprompted. So apparently he did a really good job in one of the scrimmages. Mm -hmm. So he's a 5'10", 180 running back from Atlanta. And he's also a candidate to be a kickoff return man. So one of the things when you're talking about UNLV football this year, John, that you know is last year they were kind of slowly matriculate down the field, and they didn't have enough big plays. Like, Courtney Reese had some big runs. Aiden Robbins had some runs. Ricky White early had some big pass plays. But there weren't as many chunk plays as they needed. Mm -hmm. And I think they believe that they have more guys who can create chunk plays, and maybe that freshman can do it. Maybe it's Donovan Lester. Maybe it's Vincent Davis. Courtney Reese is still at a running back. So it's a, it's a deeper team. It's a bigger team. And then a lot of it's going to depend on health. You know, Doug Brumfield cannot go down. No. I think Jaden Mayava can play. But Brumfield knows the system. Uh, they're all new to the system, the go-go, but uh, they can't lose him. No, I, I, like Mayava, for a backup quarterback, Mayava stuck out at camp the times that I was out there mm -hmm. watching. Yeah. Uh, the, the arms live. Sometimes the decision-making uh, needs to be fixed. I talked in depth with Caleb about that on the sidelines and some of those practices too. So I think, you know, a one-game setting, you all right with Mayava out there? Potentially, but – if you're going to achieve the things that are expected of you this season, which seems to be six wins and a bowl, Brumfield's got to be out there for pretty much every game. And we've talked about they've done a good job layering the classes. Like the running back room, they've got a kid from William & Mary, right, who's kind of their big back, Donovan Lester. He's a one-year guy. Davis is 5'8", 185, 190. He's from Pitt. He's a one-year guy, mm -hmm. you know. Coming in next year, they've got a running back out of Northern California, Central California, whatever, uh, in Devin Green. They've also got Greg uh, Burrell locally, who for Desert Pines had a big game in his first game. So played Faith Lutheran. I think they won 38-16, I think. And uh, actually, Odom Sun is uh, one of the quarterbacks for Faith. So I think he ran for like 86 yards, threw for another 50. So the players are on the way, too. But I, I think they did a really good job of using the transfer portal to get guys to match their system. Um some big defensive linemen. Obviously, they they believe they've nailed it at a linebacker, bringing in a, a starting linebacker in the middle and making him a captain in Jackson Woodard. And again, if you didn't hear that conversation, that'll be posted up uh, at Steve Cofield, at ESPN Las Vegas, at UNLV All Access. Back in the bag? Stick your hand in there, Dave. All right, Tamon. What was the latest from Connor McGregor over the weekend? We've been kind of chuckling about Connor being sort of lost on where he really is in the fight promotion because. He hadn't entered USADA to get tested, and he looked a bit puffy. I'm not accusing him of anything, but uh, other fighters have. So what was he doing over the weekend in terms of promotion? Uh, he tweeted out a countdown clock for UFC 296 that is taking place Saturday, December 16th. 
111 days, you know, all that good stuff. All right. Chandler versus McGregor. He, now it's Chandler versus McGregor again. Yeah. Okay. He's, the, the clock is ticking. My, my math is not the best. That's less than six months from now, right? Right. Six okay. months. He would have had to be in USADA in mid-June. I think if I have that correct. He wasn't. As far as we know. No. Maybe, he is. maybe he's been in here the or whole maybe time. Maybe they're just going to tell us he was. Yeah. That would never happen. <laughs> well, you want to make big fights. Avert you gotta, your eyes. You got to plan these things around the fighters. What's the uh, what's the gif where the guy, the, the building's exploding behind him? He's like, there's nothing to see. <laughs> We're all good. We're all good. Back in the back. Stick your hand in there, dude. What's this WWE NFL collab? They've got titles. You can get an individual, like a, a team customized WWE title for your NFL team. This is a new collab that the NFL and WWE has had. So if anybody wants to buy me a Titans one, at Demon underscore the boss, the DMs are open. Like a belt? Guys. Yeah. A WWE title belt. How have we done a show with you on it for how long now? Like six, seven weeks? Yeah. Do you remember, was it a show I wasn't on? Did DeMond make a big announcement that he's a Titans fan? All the time I talk about being a Jets fan and you a Colts fan. Your team's a little bit down. You're not really uh, crowing from the top of the mountain about being a Tennessee fan. What happened here? What are you talking about? I think they can still win the division. Is that right? Yeah, they can still win the division. I'll bet. Let's go. Here we go. Who's your quarterback in the second half of the season? Look at the way he's look at the, what do you mean the frozen, s- frozen. Malik's gonna get it together. Okay, like okay, as so- in his bags. <laughs> That's why I asked this because I don't. Obviously, Levis can't go right now. Yeah, so Malik will get it together. But I mean, that's so backup. Mal- Tannehill still. I mean, I don't. You know what? What's the bet? What's the bet? That they're not gonna win the division. But I need something. You're you're picking the favorite. Anybody can pick the favorite. So I need more at stake is what I'm saying. But you, but no, but see, this is what I love. That You said they were going to win the division. I'm saying no. Yeah, and now all of a sudden it's like, well, you know, you're picking the better side here. No, you said it with confidence. I'm telling you no. I like that defense, man. <laughs> Best defense in the <laughs> I love the, the freeze. That was my, that was my, Colt, my new, that was my Colt McCoy freeze. This is the, my new uh, favorite thing now. Is anytime DeMond makes yep, a statement, that, I'm just going to come immediately in hard. And just go, yeah. no, I'll take the other side. Dude, you're making a lot of – when you make proclamations on the show, ask uh, Willie Ramirez, ask Ryan McKinnell. Immediately, if it's not John, it's me. Especially if I, f- if I feel like there's an advantage. Like, it, like we were talking about Josh Jacobs earlier. Um, the fifth leading rusher last year, doesn't mean it's going to be the same thing this year, right? Um, but you said it'll be top five in rushing. Last year's fifth rusher was Miles Sanders with 1,249 yards rushing. I will, I will take outside of top five for Josh Jacobs. Oh, I stand confidently on that one. Okay. okay. I and, mean, my and, fandom and, is blinding me a little bit with the Titans, <laughs> but... People don't people don't want to hear about my fantasy team, and I will have multiple teams, but I do have Josh Jacobs on a fantasy team. So I do want him to do well, but I'm going to insure myself with whatever payoff I get yeah. from you if he's outside of the top five. I'll make it more juicy, just, you know, even though DeMond is chicken. What are the here. odds in that division? Uh, Jags are the odds on favorite. I want to say buck sixty-five off the top of my head, somewhere in that range. And what do you think the Titans are? Uh, they should be. They're the second choice. I think they're in the range of plus one eighty. Don't quote me. Let me pull it up on my yeah, William Hill Sports app. Which, by the way, they they have a new platform. I like it so far. I don't know if you saw the new platform, but I did. A little uh, catching up with well, what everyone else is doing. As you're as you're looking that up, I was going to offer. I will sweeten this up as Demond is chickening out on his proclamation that the Titans were going to win the division. The Titans will not finish in the top two of the AFC South. All right, come on. Now, now you're being disrespectful. Okay. Then take the bet. I mean, that is a bet. 
The the uh, I'll ja- take it. Okay. The Jags are minus one seventy five. Titans are plus three forty. Colts are seven to one. Texans are eight and a half to one. Okay. There you go. That's you think your boys pick. are going to do something? Who said it was? Who said I just I'm just telling you that it's not going to be the Titans that finish in the top two. Oh, CJ Stroud here. Let's go. I'll I'll take it. It. There we I'll go. I'll take the All hands right. extended. There you go All across right. the room. There it is. Man, Jordan Love's going to have a great season. Titans are going to finish third. It's going to be awesome. Too much slander here. What are we doing? No, I was looking. I like a good show, Bet. DeMond's got two with me already. It's going to be a lot of bets. We're going a little too fast. I'll usually, keep it on my spreadsheet. Usually there was a ton of hesitation. Hey, reminder, on Wednesday we're going to be out at the Rampart Racing Sportsbook. We're not always uh, on that side of town, but uh, great spot. Cool contest. We'll give you more details as the uh, show approaches. But, yeah, 3 to 6. Rampart Racing Sportsbook. We'll have a conversation with the uh, sportsbook director there. Our buddy Dwayne Colucci will get us ready for the beginning of the season. So Rampart Racing Sportsbook, Wednesday, 3 to 6 with Cofield and company. And reminder, uh, after that show is the debut of the Barry Odom Radio Show, weekly show with the coach of UNLV, 6 o'clock start at Parkway Tavern at Flamingo and 215.